When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 247 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, I'm answering a listener's question all about the for-profit, misshapen foods rescue companies that have popped up in the last decade. I'm talking Misfits Market. I'm talking Imperfect Produce, Hungry Harvest. These are all for-profit companies that seek to limit food waste by shipping imperfect or misshapen foods around the country in hopes of getting the stuff eaten. Janda wrote to me and said that she tried Misfit Markets, but she realized that many of the produce that came in her box came from far distant places, and so she's wondering whether signing up for such a service when the produce comes from, let's say, Mexico, is that sustainable? Is shipping those items all around, is that practice really sustainable or not? We're going to discuss what actually happens to food after it leaves the farm, and I'm also going to give you some thoughts, some tips as how we can do better with regard to food waste. So we're going to get into all of that after a quick word from today's first sponsor. And we're back. We're discussing food waste. We're talking misshapen foods companies, and we're talking about what we can do to reduce the food waste problem. So let's talk about food waste. If food waste was a country, it would be the world's third largest emitter of carbon dioxide after China and the United States. So think about that for a minute. If food waste was a country, it would be the third biggest polluter of CO2. In America alone, in the United States, We throw away 63 million tons of food each year, yet 40 million Americans are considered food insecure. So there's definitely a problem happening right here. 40 million Americans don't have reliable access to food, yet we're wasting 63 million tons of food every single year. In rises these for-profit companies who argue that there's nothing wrong with misshapen or imperfect produce other than the fact that it doesn't look perfect. It's still fresh. It's still healthy. Why not get this food into the hands of hungry consumers? So if you know nothing about Misfits Market or Imperfect Produce or Hungry Harvest, really quick, just to make sure we're all on the same page, these services aim to fill logistical gaps, essentially, and send food, send ugly food, 
directly to your doorstep. It's usually a subscription box where you pay 30-ish dollars a month and every month you get a box of ugly stuff which would have otherwise gone bad. So consumers, we think we're doing something really noble and ethical by buying the imperfect stuff, right? But the reality is that consumers don't fully understand the food waste problem and these companies, these entrepreneurs really are profiting off of our ignorance. I also want to say here too quickly that another aspect to this for-profit misshapen produce market that doesn't sit right with me personally, and it doesn't sit right with food justice advocates either. But these profit-based solutions don't do anything for food inequality or food insecurity. Most of these companies only deliver to select zip codes in major urban, often affluent neighborhoods. As of last check, these companies did not offer SNAP benefits. So the question becomes then, do we really want to get this imperfect produce eaten or do we want this imperfect produce to only be eaten by people who can pay for it? Let's move into part two of today's conversation, which is what actually happens to the misshapen stuff? We're going to talk about the farm and then we're going to talk about the packing houses. So yes, there is waste. As long as humans eat perishable foods like fresh fruits and vegetables, there will be food waste because produce has a shelf life, often a short shelf life. But the problem with food waste is grossly exaggerated. It does happen on farms and it does happen in packaging houses, but they are not the biggest sources of food waste. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But farms run on tight margins, right? They don't just casually waste food. (laughs) Every apple, every potato is money. So they're not going to just waste it to waste it, right? When produce doesn't get sold, there's a really good reason for it. We've all heard the anecdotes or the stories about potatoes just being left to rot in the fields for no good reason. I would say that those stories are dramatized. Drops, which is potatoes that are left to rot or apples that are left on the field, they are intentionally left behind because otherwise they can cause food poisoning outbreaks. Sometimes misshapen produce can knock against other produce in the crate or the bin and damage entire crates or bins of food. So they're intentionally left out. Farms often compost the stuff that doesn't get sold or they till it back into the soil to recycle their nutrients. This approach, composting it or tilling it back into the soil, of course, it keeps this produce from being landfilled and it doesn't waste fossil fuels by shipping it around the country. So that's the farm. Now let's talk about the packaging houses. We've all heard the stories of packaging house workers just taking out the misshapen stuff and throwing it in the trash can. The reality is that these packing houses are actually the smallest source of food waste in the entire food supply chain. In North America, packing houses only discard about 1% of the produce that enters its doors. And once food gets into a packing house, it's sorted into grades. So the best stuff, the top quality stuff, goes to high-end grocery stores. And if you're shopping at a high-end grocery store, you are paying more for the fancy unblemished apples. 
The second grade produce goes to lower end grocery stores and food banks. And the severely misshapen and discolored and just unsellable stuff goes to processing plants to make jam or jelly or salsa or juice and other goods. Now, there are culls in packing houses. Culls are rotten goods that cannot be by any means recovered. Most packing houses send these culls to be tilled into nearby fields for fertilizer. As a last resort, they can and will be landfilled, but that's always a last resort because it costs money to send them to the landfill. So again, I'm not saying that there's no waste happening. What I am saying, however, is that the waste isn't as overwhelming in farms and packing houses as these for-profit companies want us to believe. So where's the food waste really happening? Well, you guessed it. It's happening in our own homes, in our own kitchens. And so we're going to get into part three of today's conversation, which is my thoughts for you on reducing food waste after a quick word from today's second sponsor. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. And we are back. We are on to part three of today's episode, which is our reality check, where the vast majority of food gets wasted. Yes, that is right. It is in our kitchens. (laughs) Less than 20% of all food waste happens at the farms and the packing houses. We covered that in part two of today's show. Yet, the ugly produce movement, these for-profit companies, are exaggerating the waste that happens at farms and packing houses 
According to ReFed, which is a nonprofit that's dedicated to researching food waste policies, ReFed argues that more than 80% of food waste, 80% is generated by homes like yours and mine and by grocery stores and restaurants. So you and I, we have no control over what grocery stores and restaurants do, but we have 100% control over what happens in our own kitchens. And that's why my number one tip for you, Jana, as well as for anybody listening who's confused by the misshapen for-profit company market, I say you start in your own home and you actually eat what you buy. (laughs) You're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, Stephanie, you say this all the time on the show. Yes, I say it all the time in the show, but even still, it's really darn hard to do. Even in my house, where I have been working for years to become more efficient in the kitchen, more creative in my cooking to reduce waste, I still waste stuff, and I'm willing to bet you do too. So let's center ourselves around doing better. I have some tips for you. I have some thoughts as to what's working for me right now in my home with the caveat that I'm not perfect. All right, so here we go. This is what's working for me. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably followed my use it up (laughs) week. My family just went through seven days of use it up. We did not go to the grocery store last week. We instead ate everything, not everything, I created meals in the kitchen based on what we already had. So we used up what was in the fridge first, perishable, We went to the freezer, what was hiding in the back of the freezer? What did we have in the pantry that I could make some meals out of? I have never done this use it up week before. It was a truly enlightening experience for me. I learned that I can be way more creative in my cooking than I ever believed. I realized I had way more food on hand than I thought. I realized that stuffing stuff in the deep freezer and forgetting about it is not solving the food waste problem. So if you've never done a use it up week, I suggest you go for it and you just embrace the fact that you don't have to spend, I don't know, $200 on groceries next week. I found badly frostbitten blueberries in the back of my freezer, so badly frostbitten, you couldn't see blueberries in the chunk of ice. (laughs) That was the ball. Well, you know, I saved that. I put it in my smoothie. We'll talk about smoothies in a minute. But my point is we tend to forget what we already have. And so starting a use it up week can force you to confront the food that you already have that you haven't consumed. So when we talk about reducing food waste, we also need to remember that based on research, fruits and vegetables are the most wasted products in people's homes. And that's no surprise to anyone, right? Fruits and vegetables have a very short shelf life. So really hone in on the fruits and vegetables. In my home, it starts with what we bring home. It starts at the supermarket. So I noticed that my husband and I wasted a lot of salad greens. We have lofty goals to eat salad, but then We just don't eat enough salad to make the box worth it or the head of lettuce, let's say. So now we don't buy salad anymore. We just buy spinach. When we want a salad with fresh, raw spinach, we eat a spinach salad. And when the spinach starts to look a little sad, I either add it to my morning smoothie or I saute it and it is our vegetable side. Done. You can't 
<laughs> you can't saute romaine lettuce, right? You can't freeze romaine lettuce, but you can freeze or saute spinach. And so that's why we are no longer buying salad greens. I mentioned smoothies a couple times, and I have mentioned on the show before that I got really darn good with my smoothies in 2021, and I have. I am like the smoothie master. (laughs) If my children bring home half of a pear, I slice up a pear in the morning, stick it in their lunchbox. If they bring home half of it in their lunchbox because they didn't eat the whole thing, you can bet your bottom dollar that that pear is going in mom's smoothie the next morning. I put everything in my smoothies, and it has been the number one way, I would say, that I'm eating healthier, number one, but also reducing food waste. I use a protein powder in there. It's a sweetened protein powder, so I put in veggies, I put in fruits, and the protein powder makes it sweet, and it tastes pretty darn good. Another tip here, too, I believe I've said it on the podcast, but a listener wrote to me a while back, and she said, you know, you can make smoothies essentially in bulk, and that's what I do now. So I make a gigantic smoothie on Monday, and I save half of it for Tuesday. I just put it in a mason jar, leave it in the fridge, and then I shake it up before I consume it on Tuesday. And that's a really great way for me to cut my work in half, essentially, right? It can take work to chop up all these fruits and veggies, add them to the smoothie. That can take a good 10 minutes. So by doing a bulk batch, I saved myself 10 minutes on Tuesday. Another tip here, too, is when you're at the supermarket, buy less fruits and vegetables than you think you need. We always tend to overestimate. Our eyes can be bigger than our stomachs. So when you're at the supermarket and you see the sale on grapes and you think, oh, great, I'm going to buy two because it's buy two, get one free or whatever the sale is, whatever the gimmick is, just buy less just because it's on sale or just because it's organic or just because it has a great buzzword on the package. Buy less than you think you need. Also, buy what you can freeze. (laughs) This is an advanced tip, right? Usually for most of us, we go to the supermarket, we buy what's on sale. I say buy what's on sale, buy what's organic if you can afford it, and buy what you can freeze. So if I bring home a head of broccoli, let's say, and I'm not going to eat it this week, I am not going to start up the pressure canner, but I am going to quickly chop it up and blanch it and then freeze it, right? Broccoli, green beans, these are items that I can freeze very easily, very quickly if I don't eat it. Another tip that works well in my home, so simple, but it works, is just to cut something up and leave it on the counter. So carrots, strawberries, apples. Why don't apples go brown anymore, by the way? But anyway, that's another topic for another day. But just clean it, wash it, cut it up, and leave it on the counter. I have been so surprised in my house how if I do that, if I cut up a carrot, let's say, leave it on the counter, my kids don't even particularly love carrots. But if it's cut up and on the counter and they're hungry, you can bet they're going to eat it. So cut something up and leave it on the counter and watch your family members and yourself just, you know, take a slice or take a stick as they walk by. Two more tips for you. Keep cooking. I am always surprised at how much better and more creative I get the more I cook. I find, I believe, that cooking is in the process of becoming a lost, self-sufficient skill. So I know I'm preaching to the choir, (laughs) but if you're not in the habit of cooking, if you say you don't like it or it's so much easier to, I don't know, get a meal subscription box or order out, 
I say don't forget about cooking. It is an essential life skill that reduces food waste. You get better the more you do it. I'm willing to bet you'll like it the better you get. Nobody likes cooking if you stink at cooking. But if you're good at cooking and you get compliments on your cooking and you're saving money because you're reducing waste because you're doing better with cooking, you're going to start to like it. So keep cooking. And then finally, again, preaching to the choir, compost what you don't get to eat. The Environmental Protection Agency finds that the United States only composts 5% of its food waste. So we can all do better with the composting. We can all divert food from landfills. If you don't want to compost or don't live in an area that allows you to compost for whatever reason, research as to whether your zip code offers municipal composting. So those are my best tips for you today. The final word here, the final word with regard to misshapen produce and food waste is to remember one of the cardinal rules of sustainability, which is stay within your community first. If you can help it, if your situation allows, we do not need to hire a for-profit company to ship us misshapen produce from across the country. I'm willing to bet we have plenty of misshapen produce within our own community. Why don't we rescue that first? Go to your local farmer's market if you're fortunate enough to have a farmer's market. Talk to your local farmer if you're fortunate enough to have a local farm. Ask your local farmer what they do with their imperfect produce. If they legitimately let it go to waste, which they probably don't, they probably don't do that. But if they do, will they sell it to you or will they give it to you at a discount? Or can you drop it off at the local food bank? Final word today is to stay within your community whenever you can for produce, but also for goods too. It stands to reason that if we're not going to buy misshapen produce from across the country, should we be buying goods from across the globe if we can get it in our own community? So I hope this conversation today gave you some action steps to think about and perhaps adopt in your own home. I will see you on Tuesday where we are discussing how to reduce toxins in your own home without replacing stuff, without spending a lot of money buying new stuff to replace the stuff you already have. So I'm really excited for that conversation. I will see you then. Have an amazing weekend and take care, my friends.